the game boils over with pushies, etc. With pussy, with, with pussies, aye. <laughs> I'm saying nothing that you came away with. That. <laughs> no, that's the end of the podcast, there. Aye, yes, for good. So, because of the break, I hope you yeah. enjoy. Enjoy the winter break as it as it were. I hope you are. Oh, fuck's sake, dear. Fuck. <laughs> You just need to say cheerio. I think I do. You play with feathers, you get your arse tickled. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the iReady podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? I'm very well Derek. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and all our listeners as well. I hope you all had a great Christmas and New Year. The first time we've been managed to get a podcast out since then. Dave, it's been a bit of a stressful, stressful time over Christmas between work, between stroppy five-year-old kids and sickness running right through the family. I'd hope it was a bit better for you Dave. Just work, Derek, unfortunately, working right through. That's one of the main reasons that we've not been able to get a pod out sooner. So, you know, we've got a lot of games to cover, which we're not going to dwell on, you know, a a lot of the matches, but a couple of big ones in there, which we'll we'll talk a wee bit uh, more about uh, during the games. But, you know, pretty successful during that. I think the last time we spoke, we did say we had six huge games coming up and I joke to say well you know I'll be looking for six victories well we nearly done it Derek we nearly done it so uh, you know all, all, all in all very happy with uh, the vast majority of the games and the results and just apart from one disappointing result which we'll get into. Yes Dave did you get any Rangers related Christmas presents by any chance? I got a lovely royal blue scuba hoodie from my son Derek, which is very nice. I was very pleased about that. So next time I'm at Ibrox, I'll have that on yourself. I got the Ibrox Lego set. Ibrox Lego set? Yes, it's obviously not the, the real Lego stuff. Dave, I'm going to end up going high blood pressure again with it. The bits are minuscule. I've, it's, I've... Not like, it's not like you to lose the heat. <laughs> the slightest opportunity, Derek. Yes, I've been reading a lot of people getting it online as well, and they said it's an absolute nightmare taking them hours <laughs> upon hours. I mean, it literally taken me about an hour and a half last night just to sort out all the different colours into different tubs <laughs> because the wee bits are so small. Oh. No, I've not got enough patience for anything like that, mate, so I'll leave you to it. Yes, I'll look cracking once it's done, but yeah, I'm going I'm to probably sure lose bits and lose my head as well, but... <laughs> Also, though, Dave, I did end up, just before Christmas, I had a wee trip with my dad to the new museum and the Blue Sky yeah. Lounge as well. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I saw your pictures and uh, you and your dad look as if you had a fantastic time. So we'll need to get a wee trip, Derek. I'm desperate to go and see both. So we'll have to get that arranged soon. As long as you're paying. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so enough of the jokes. Let's get into the serious stuff. We'll go down the tunnel and onto the pitch. (laughs) 
So the first game, Dave, what a game to start off with. Thursday the 14th of December, it was a 3-2 win away against Real Betis in the Europa League, Group C, Game 6. We topped the group, Dave. That was incredible. Derek, the one result that I honestly couldn't see coming, I really couldn't. I didn't know where we were going to get the goals from. But us in this competition, Derek, it's it's quite incredible. And to go over, I mean, I, I'll, I'll let you speak about the game, but, you know, the, the actual, the feat itself, the achievement, I mean, absolutely sensational. I'll, I'll let you get into it, but tremendous stuff. I mean, ultimately, there was a few different combinations of results that could have went in our favour. Ultimately, if we won, we were topping the group and we were going through. We could have drawn, but that would have to mean that Sparta either drew or lost uh, against uh, Limassol. They went 2-0 up within about 15 minutes, Dave, so it was all on us. So this is on the back of also the fact that we've never beaten a Spanish opposition in Spain before. Obviously, we've won in Spain and Barcelona 72, but we've not beaten a Spanish opposition. And Betis had been unbeaten at home all season, and that includes Barcelona and Real Madrid as well. Like I said, an incredible achievement, Derek, and a fantastic game as well. I mean, it was end-to-end stuff, but, you know, we certainly didn't sit back and get completely pummeled and steal three goals, you know, like that. You know, we we did have quite a few chances in the game, and it was a fantastic game to to watch if you were the neutral. But, you know, us being Rangers supporters, we had no nails left at the end of it. (laughs) Yes, so there was four changes from the Dundee game. We lined up Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Davis, Barisic, Lundstrom, Sifuentes, Seymour, Lammers, McCoy, and Dessers. On the subs bench, we have McCrory, Wright, Souter, Matondo, Sterling, Roof, Devine, Lyle and McKinnon. One notable absentee, Cantwell, was not there. He never travelled due to personal reasons, for, for some family reasons there, so I hope all was well there. But the first half was just absolutely breathless. As you said, Dave, end-to-end stuff, and we actually taken the lead on the 10th minute with Seema scoring. McCausland was on the right, he drives it forward, gets to the edge of the box, crosses on the deck, a slight nick off the defender's boot to Dessers, who does a drag-back turn-type thing, and settles nicely for Seema, who shoots it back the keeper outstanding straight away brilliant goal excellent time to score as well Derek put them under pressure straight away and as you say it was a, it was a it was great play all round Dan you know all duty Dessers great wee drag back there as well and a brilliant finish Yes, Betis then started to get on top, 12th minute they had a, a chance where it was near tapping and then they did pull a goal back on the 14th minute, the ball was played forward towards our goal, Goldson comes out to meet it but puts in a poor challenge, allows the attacker to play a simple ball into our box to the overlapping attacker who has a great shot into the net, it was a fantastic shot but it was so simple, big yeah. gaps everywhere, Goldson yep. really needs to do better at this level, yeah. how many times are we going to say that in Europe I about Goldson? I know. I know. At this point, then, Betis were on top. Lammers gives the ball away. They have a good chance. It was poor from Barisic. Uh, we're quite loving, quite lucky there as well. 18th minute, our defence was ripped apart on the left-hand side. The ball falls to the player at the far side. A shot by the attacker and a close range and an outstanding save from Butland over the bar and out for the corner. 18th minute, they had a thunder bastard from about 20 yards off the underside of the bar and we were getting battered at this point, Dave. Absolutely battered and I feared the worst at this point. However, I shouldn't have because two minutes later on the 20th minute, Dessers made it 2-0. I've put wow for this one. (laughs) I've put wow. I can't actually believe it is what (laughs) I put on mine, Derek. 
a throw in on the left hand side in our half it was played to Sifuentes in the middle just inside the Betis half who plays a stunning through ball to Dessers on the left side gets the ball in the box the angle was narrowing he cuts it in he cuts out he shoots at an angle through the keeper's legs it wasn't just a shot it was a place shot he looked up and he looked, seen that and the guy was like messy right there it was an incredible goal Derek, I think it was one that every Rangers fan out there was just in absolute shock and disbelief that this guy scored a goal like that because we've been watching this guy fall over his feet, have fresh air shots, miss simple chances and to score a goal like that at such a high level against such top quality opposition, was it was absolutely sensational and again, Utter disbelief, <laughs> disbelief by all of us out there. But what an absolutely tremendous goal! And as you say, we were under the cosh at that time, so to get that chance and and put it away like that—that's what we're looking for at that level, isn't it? Yes. Betis then retaking charge of the game. They had a dangerous ball across their goal, but no takers. Claims for a handball by Goldson. It did hit his hand, but it hit off his thigh first, so no penalty. There was a shot from the left side of our box. It was good skill from Betis and an easy take for Butland, though. And you'd seen it coming. 37th minute, Betis made it 2 each. We lost the ball after the ref played the advantage. There was not much in the advantage, mind you. There was a long ball up towards our half. Davies chests it. It was a too heavy with his touch. It goes right to the Betis player. He shot out the challenge. He tried to foul the guy as he was running towards our goal. The guy didn't go down. He passed it to the attacker who tried to weave in and out. Goldson didn't stick a challenge in. A pass to the left side of our box and a stunning first-time shot into the bottom right corner. The defence was an absolute shambles from Davis to Goldson. And then I don't know what Tavernier was doing. Rather than covering the boy that he was going to pass to, he decided to slide in behind Goldson just in case the guy, you know, managed to get past him. But then that left his side wide open for him to get the pass to it, who had, I mean, granted it was an absolutely stunning shot, but it was made so simple because Tavernier lost his man once again. Yep, exactly. It was, I mean, take nothing away for the actual goal itself, as you said, Derek, absolutely sensational strike, but how easy did we make it for them to get that te- teed up and uh, and get in there? It was criminal defending, and it was at that sort of stage that I thought, you know, we've put up a good fight, but I couldn't see it happening, not with the makeshift defence that we had, and not with the likes of Lammers playing and th- things like that, Derek, so uh, yeah, I was, I was fearing things at that stage of the game. Yes. We finished off the half a bit stronger as well because Linda was driving forward. He passed the seam on the left. It was a first time shot just wide of the post. And then Sifuentes, just before half time, uh, he had a cross in. Seaman nods it into the box to Dessers, who tries to throw himself at it. Didn't get it. He was claiming for a foul, but there was nothing in it anyway. But we're getting forward. That was a good thing. And that's how half time finished up. Just an absolute breathless half. Great the fact that we went ahead twice as well, but just poor defending overall. But as you said, makeshift defence, but it was the same people making the same mistakes once again. Into the second half, there was a change at half-time, Sifuentes off and Sterling on. I mean, ultimately, in, in the second half, we needed the goal because the results suited Betis just at, at that stage. 51st minute, there was a corner from Betis on the right, a glancing header by their attacker off the bar. 
Botland possibly tipped it onto the bar as well. 53rd minute, it was a free kick from the left, it was crossed in, missed by the first attacker, bounces and got caught under the feet of the second attacker, goes goal bound, saved by the feet of Botland, bounces up, hits off the armour Davies and cleared for the corner. Appeals for a penalty, nothing given, I'm not so sure with that one, he might have got away with that one there. 59th minute, a free kick by Barris. It's on the right on the edge of the box, hits the edge of the wall. 63rd minute, Lundstrom gets a silly booking for kicking the ball away. 65th minute, Dessers and McCausland off, Roof and Matondo on. 68th minute, Betis with the ball in the net from a corner. The front post player heads it towards goal. A fantastic save by Butland, but he could only palm it to the player at the back post who puts it into the net with his palm. There was a VAR check for offside, which was dismissed, but the VAR shown and a handball, and that's what the referee would give it for. So we're kind of lucky that one there had he maybe chested it in uh, you know that would have been a a clear goal however 10 minutes later all hell broke loose because Roof scored and made it 3-2 it was a corner in from the left into the middle headed by Davies at the back post Goldson picks it up crosses it back in Matondo tries to make connection but slips the ball goes under him off the defender into the path of Roof who was in the middle lurking who slid in and put it in the net absolute bedlam Dave a bit of pinball a bit of fortune but that's what you want a striker to do. Just pick up that loose ball and get it into the net. You've said it perfectly there, Derek. And the one player that we had at our disposal, who we knew that could maybe pull something off like that, who you would want it to land to in, in the box. Poacher's instinct was uh, Kamar Ruth. Delighted that we you know, we got that third goal because as soon as we scored that, you could just see that Betis, it drained the life right out of him. And it wasn't a pretty goal, Derek, but it is the type of goal that... You know, I'm, I'm repeating myself, probably the only player that we've got in there that would be able to score a goal like that because we've seen Dessers, we've even seen the Danilo when he was fit, missing chance after chance inside the box. We knew a fit if Kamar Roof wouldn't miss that and he certainly didn't and, you know, absolutely fantastic. And as you say, the scene's absolute bedlam. Yep. And then from there, it was a bit of a strange last 10, 15 minutes because... You would have thought that Betis would have pushed everything yep. up, but it would have been hell for leather, and we never really got that. No. I was more frustrated at our own players, though, because we decided rather than take it to the corner and try and waste time in the dying minutes, Seaman never taken it to the corner, and he went for goal, and uh, Matondo done the exact same thing as well within a minute of each other. It was bad gamesmanship there. We need to be seeing out games a wee bit better and not just going for goal. Yes, they were trying to push up, but they weren't doing much with it, and it, no. it gave them possession back. So that was the only disappointing thing in the game. But we ended out the game there. Just absolutely incredible scenes. You know, as I said, first time we've beaten a Spanish side in Spain before. Uh, top in the group. Just, Dave, that was that's what dreams are oh, made of. Unbelievable. I mean, I think we all, every single fan out there, you know, I think we were all bracing ourselves for the, the Conference League, Derek. Let's be honest with you. I think it, if it had been any other team in the group, we would have possibly have fancied our chances to nick it, but not over there in Spain against Betis, who you said had been undefeated. A phenomenal performance again. You know, we were under the cosh a bit, but as I say, in the second half, I think it was more even. And, uh, you know, when we scored that third goal, like I said, it just it sucked the life right out of them. And we have progressed, Derek, and I really wasn't expecting us to pay progress. But, like I said before, us in this competition, you can just never write us off, can you? Oh. So we topped the group, we played 6, won 3, drawn 2, lost 1, scored 8, conceded 6, goal difference plus 2 and on 11 points. One ahead of Sparta Prague, two ahead of Betis and seven ahead of Aris. The irony is that Aris finished on 4 points 
and they all came from us. <laughs> Quite incredible, eh? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, what that means as well, obviously we're not into the round of the last 32, if you remember when we got to Seville, we, we finished second in that group, and then we had to play the team who dropped down from the Champions League, yes. which turned out to be Borussia Dortmund, and we all know yep. how that well that went, yep. but we missed that round out now, so we're straight into the last 16, the, the last 32 are not until the 15th and 22nd of February, and the draw for the last 16 is not until the 23rd of February, I believe, and I think that's into March, the the games as well, so we've got a lot of time before we play, yeah. a lot can happen, obviously the yep. January window as well, so, yeah. uh, you know, Dave, we are six... <laughs> Or six games away from the final. That's where you look at it. Six games away. <laughs> Three Derek, teams I'll away. Take, I'll take one game at a time, but just as I said, just still to be there. And again, the the achievement, especially with the team that Clement had to put out there. And and we'll go on about the likes of Salamers and stuff like that. But he's basically playing these these games with, you know, about eight players who we would say that were really up for, for these games and where, you know, makeshift three players each time, which is quite incredible. It's, uh, as I say, I, I keep saying it, but us in this competition, we've just, we've fallen in love with it over the last few years. Ever since Stephen Gerrard came in, we've, we've fallen in love with this competition. So it's just fantastic and, and long, long may it continue. Yes, Dave, we'll see how that goes. But anyway, that leaves us into the next game. This was the must-win game of of all the games here. Sunday the 17th of December, it was a 1-0 win at Hamden against Aberdeen in the League Cup final. Just brilliant, Dave. Yep, absolutely fantastic. It was... Uh, you know, another massive game that we'd been waiting on, wasn't it? It's, you know, a chance for us to, you know, get our first sort of silverware of the season. And thankfully, we got there in the end, didn't we? Yes. So before the game kicked off, about a week before, we had a bit of a faux pas before the game because I, quite clearly we had built a web page to sell getting your picture taken with the trophy. That's all well and good. You need to get these things done and organised and all that. But they put it live. It yes. just looked really, really amateur from that one there. But it obviously didn't matter in the end. However, Aberdeen had their own faux pas as well, yep. as they had organised an open-top bus if they had won. I mean, again, no issues with that at all. You need to get things organised, all liveried up and all that kind of thing as well. But the pictures of it were leaked. It's yep. not so much that the, the faux pas was the fact that the pictures were leaked. It's how tinpot of them for having an open-top bus for a League Cup win. When they portray themselves <laughs> as this big club in Scotland, the Derek I had I have quite a rabid Rangers hating. I know I think we all are Aberdeen fan at my work who was trying to uh, who was trying to make it out as if you know this was an absolutely shocking behaviour by Rangers to do this and belittling his club and all of that until I did mention and show him the pictures of the open top bus but he did try to disregard that as being oh well that was uh, Aberdeen's uh, social media team having a, a pop at Rangers for what they did and leaking the photos early and blah 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 so but uh, as you say I thought that was quite funny as well to have an open, an open top bus in Aberdeen regardless Derek would be an absolute disaster <laughs> with the weather right enough but uh, yeah but thankfully thankfully that didn't matter did it before that, the game as well, we found out that Danilo had been ruled out for four months after being yeah. subbed off in the Harps game as well. I mean, he just came off. It was a nothing kind of thing. 
ruled out for four months, and there's been since pictures of him having a knee operation as well, with yeah. a big scar up his knee. So, guy. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, that we had appealed Cifuentes' red card, uh, however, it was rejected, so he was not available. He's now injured anyway, so <laughs> that's by the by. But anyway, we lined up with three changes from the Betis game. We lined up Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Balligan, Barisic, Lundstrom, Sterling, Cantwell, Seaman, McCausland and Dessers. On the subs bench were McCrory, Ridvan, Suter, Lammers, Matondo, Dowell, Wright, Roof and King. So before the game kicked off, fantastic Tifo and Pyro from the Union Bears and the Rangers yeah. fans as well. It looked absolutely cracking. First half, very scrappy first half, really from both teams. Not not a lot of quality. We've shaded it in terms of forward play and possession. However, losing the ball far too often, not putting their keeper under any pressure at all. Far too pedestrian and no movement. And I did kind of think at half time, I've got a bad feeling about this game, Dave. As you know, Derek, I was lucky enough to get a ticket, so I was there. But I didn't see anything from Aberdeen in the first half at all. So I really wasn't that worried because I knew that they really weren't up to much and the tactics that Barry Robson had out there was basically not to lose the game. I could tell that kick kind of instantly and that's kind of how the game went, you know, for the whole 90 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty pretty much. You're taking the words out of my mouth there. Yeah. He came to, to not lose rather than yeah. come to win. I'm not going to blame him for that because so many cup finals, regardless of if it's a World <laughs> Cup or a Scottish League Cup final, end up yeah. being poor performances like that. I get that though, Derek, but we've been hearing so much, especially from the Aberdeen fans, of how they didn't fear us and how every time we play them, we seem to bottle it and it's them that come out and, and end up winning. So I, I was expecting them to kind of go for it a bit more than they did, but they really didn't. It was it was really quite dull and boring stuff and it was really just going to have to be you know, down to us to produce something to break them down. Yeah, I've, I've actually put my notes here. The best chance for us of the first half was in the 47th minute when it was nice from Cantwell on the left. He gets to the touchline, cuts it back, looks up, puts in a great cross into the middle that finds McCausland's head. However, he was two underneath it and it was over the bar. Yeah. I mean, that, yep. that says it all how, how yep. few chances there was. That's it. So in the second half, a bit more happened here. On the 47th minute, it was a bad foul on, on Goldson by Sockler, who had already picked up a booking. The ref had to be looking at that. And yeah. to that point, the ref had been very lenient when it comes to cards for fouls. For both both sides, granted, but especially with, with things like that as well. 50th minute, Lundstrom with a shot from the right at distance, but it was off wide of the left post. 54th minute, Aberdeen on the left gets a cross in, skips across our goal. Aberdeen's first real chance of the game. All it needed was a touch and it was in. We've seen that similar in the Betis game as well. We've been getting caught out by that several times, but it was just too fast-paced and there was not enough Aberdeen players up there with the ball. 58th minute, finally some forward play by us, by McCausland driving the ball inwards from the right. A 1-2 with Dessers, gets into the box and slides in trying to shoot, but the defender slides in and puts it out for the corner. Some good forward thinking play that. 61st minute, Dessers robs the defender on the left side, drives it in towards box. He jinks left, he jinks right. Very reminiscent of the goal he scored against Betis. Gets a shot off, but the keeper makes a save with the shoulder. I don't think the keeper knew much about it there, so it was unlucky. 64th minute, Tavernier with a free kick from 25 yards, forces the keeper into a dive and save and out for the corner. Aberdeen made some changes. They had a shot not long after that, well off target. 
Just after that, Barisic with a free kick on the left, forcing the keeper into a good save and out for the corner. It looked as if it was going out, but the, the keeper was taking no chances. 69th minute, the corner was not dealt with. Into the centre, out wide, played back into the middle, and Balogun had a shot of, uh, well over the bar. More changes from Aberdeen here. And this is we were kind of hoping we were starting to get changes as well. There was nothing coming because we were on top at this point. So it's kind of... I can almost see Clement's reasoning for not making changes. He did make a change in the 74th minute with McCausland off and right on. Kind of like for like that one there. 75th minute, a shot from right outside the box. Hits off the sliding in defender's leg. Off the shoulder of the defender. No penalty given, which is correct decision. And we finally got the goal on the 76th minute with Tavernier scoring. It was a throw in on the left from Barisic. A 1-2. Barisic goes down the left. A step over to beat the defender. He crosses in. Dessers misses the header. Falls to Tavernier, who has a poor first touch. But he hits it on the half volley. Nicks off the defender and into the net. Tavernier, what can you say? Does it again? It was, and it was really the first time in the game I had been sitting talking to a friend of the pod, Graham, who was good enough to, to, to set me up with a ticket. We'd been sitting saying, you know, we hadn't seen much of Tav getting down the wing and, and getting into the box. And no long after we actually said it, that's exactly what happened. And we've said it, we've seen it time and time again, Derek, when Tav manages to get into the box. He seems to be a magnet to the ball. He's either on, he either gets himself to the ball or he's very, very close. It's a, a unique threat that we do have. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen enough over the last season or two because he, he was doing it, you know, especially in Europe, a lot, uh, just with the, the way that the team's been set out. But that time, it did manage to break forward. As you say, first touch was a poor one, but he certainly made up with it with the second one. With the ball on the bounce, manages to get enough power in it. Ball bounces it takes a wee nick. Goalkeeper doesn't manage to, to, to do anything with the save. It ends up in the back of the net. Absolutely fantastic. It was right in line with us, so I got a great view. Absolute bedlam, Derek. We were delighted and we had totally deserved it at that point because, like I said before, Aberdeen, chances few and far between and, you know, we got our just desserts in the end there. Yep. Aberdeen make changes not long after that. We made changes as well just after them. Cantwell and Dessers off, Lammers and Roof on. On the 82nd minute, Aberdeen claims for a penalty after Duke goes down. It was a clear dive. 83rd minute, Duke was filled this time going down the left side. It was a jersey pull. Nothing given. That's what happened when the boy cries wolf. 87th minute, Seema. Oh my, this was just incredible. That Seema tracks back 20 yards to do Borna Barisic's job from. Gets the ball, beats the player, gets past him, and then gets filled. Absolutely stunning, especially yep. with the fact that it was in the 80, he had been playing for exactly, 87 yeah. minutes yep. at this point, and it shows how slow Borna Barisic was as well. <laughs> 90th minute, six minutes of injury time. Where that came from, I don't know. I know there's, there was a few good few subs, especially from Aberdeen, but they don't take into account that many that much yeah, injury no, time. No, subs, right. no. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. 93rd minute, Aberdeen with a free kick on the edge of our box on the left. Their keeper comes up, punched away by Butland, and their keeper comes right through Butland. Should have been a yellow card, nothing given. And then the last piece of play on the 96th minute, it was a corner from Aberdeen, Duke at the near post. He kind of fell down backwards. The ball was smothered by Butland, ends in a rugby scrum. The game boils over with a lot of pushing and handbags. It was a long VAR check, nothing given apart from an extra minute. I mean, how the fuck he can give an extra minute when there was about 20 seconds to go in the yeah, game 
yep. when the play was stopped. I mean, there was claims in the end as well for for that Duke was fouled by Butland when he Butley, he came through the back. No, he was already yep. fallen at the end of the day. Yeah. So, but absolutely full time whistle blowing, absolute bedlam, great celebrations. Clement as classy as ever. Ended up delaying us lifting the cup as he ran half the park to shake the hands of Barry Robson. Yep. The best bit though. Leon Balligan running uh, up behind <laughs> running, up, <laughs> running up behind Red Van and leapfrogging him. Brilliant. Aye, a wee bit cheeky there. I just hope that Red Van didn't take offence to that bit. Aye, I, I noticed that straight away because I was like, oh my god, look look at the height he jumped and the boy the boy next to me says, No, 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 really, it was Red Van he jumped. <laughs> no, absolutely brilliant. Seems at the end. Players absolutely loving it, getting their hands on some silverware. Derek has been few and far between, hasn't it? And I, I mean, I, I grew up watching us winning that trophy year after year after year. It seemed back then, and then you know, not for us not to have won it for so long. It's just great that it's going to be heading back to Ibrox. So yeah, absolutely delighted with that one. Yes, I mean the team were still dressed in their strips, and they ended up heading to Ibrox into the stadium to greet fans in the stadium. Yep. They got changed and then went to the balcony of the new Edmondson house. Yeah. And the celebrations with the crowds there were fantastic. Just brilliant yeah, scenes brilliant. all round. Yes. Uh, let's hope that the next time they're going on there with a trophy is the Europa League or the League Cup, the, the League oh. Trophy as well. Derek, I want Europa League, League Trophy and the Scottish Cup, mate. That's what I want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you get the impression that balcony was built for just that type of thing. Oh, don't I hope. I really do hope so it was, but I know it's great. I've I've been on that balcony myself, Derek, to see it, and it's it's set just in the, the perfect surroundings there, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, let's as you say, here's hoping that that's the start and many, many uh, pictures and videos that we see our players celebrating on that balcony. Just to round out the game, Michael Stewart got it in the neck <sighs> from all angles including a former Aberdeen player, Lee Mayer. I mean, Stewart was on the panel for via play along with Alan Hutton. Stewart couldn't hide his bias against Rangers and multiple comments he's made. Hutton pulled him up and Lee Mayer said yeah. Stewart's comments were embarrassing. I mean, how many times does this guy able to get a job, come away with the pish that he has? I mean, bear in mind, he's already had to apologise to Rangers for the comments he's made before. The guy is an absolute plum. He's a failure in everything he's done. How he has got the goal to be a, a commentator when he's a failed footballer at the end of the day. Unbelievable. De- Derek, the seethe just comes out on him. You know, it was all praise for James Tavernier and the amount of goals that he scored and stuff like that. But he's, he's got to come in there where we dig it. How many of those are penalties? Regardless, what other right-backs do you know, even ones that take penalties have scored the amount of goals that James Ta- Tavernier has? None at all. You know, the guy, he's a, he's a very, very bitter bitter man and as you say supposed to be professional but when he can't hide his feelings in a live TV commentary game he shouldn't be there you know we sit in we listen to all the pish for Chris Sutton who is a a wind up merchant we know that Michael Stewart isn't Derek he is just so bitter it's unbelievable I can handle whatever the likes of Chris Sutton says because he does it just for effect that's all he is is a wind up merchant Derek you laugh at him but it, Michael Stewart is just a bitter, bitter man. That's all, all it is. And he shouldn't be doing the job he's doing. End of story. No. 
Anyway, into the next game here, Wednesday the 20th of December. It was a 2-0 win at home against St. Johnson in the Premiership. Now, I was deep in the lurgy at this point. Uh, I think you were working, so I couldn't be bothered doing a post-match. I've no notes for the game either. Uh, All I've got here is that it was completely dominated by us. St. Johnson had no shots on target whatsoever. That's no surprise from a Craig Levine side, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah. uh, it was all us, 71% possession, eight shots on target. Roof goes off injured after 16 minutes. At this point now, Dave, we need to get rid of him. I mean, I think his deal ends uh, in the summer anyway. Such a good footballer when he's fit, but that's yeah. the problem when he's fit. And, and that was him getting his first start, Derek, and I don't know how many months getting his first full start of the game and he only lasted that and I think everybody was exactly the same you know the guys his luck has just ran out completely with us, he had his one season when he first came and that wasn't void of injury either, he was in and out a few times then but it just appears now that it's just it's never going to happen again for him isn't it, it's, uh, it's unlucky, he is, a, he is a goal scorer he is a talent but it's just he's, his body's just going to Fail him each and every time, but I know what's going to happen, Derek. He will get released, he'll sign for a club doing in England, and he'll go through about three seasons of no being injured at all and score a barrel of goals. That's just what happens. But for us, it's just no working out, is it? Definitely not. Anyway, we went 1 0 up on the 28th minute with Dessers scoring. It was a cross in, th- in from the right into the box, bounces, finds Dessers, who shoots it through the legs of the keeper. Good goal. <laughs> Can't argue with yep. that. Dessers on a yep. roll at this point. There was a a shocking challenge on Lundstrom, which the ref only gave a yellow card for the the St. Johnson player. VAR ended up up upgrading it to a red card. I mean, how the referee only gave it as a yellow card. It was an absolutely atrocious challenge. It goes back to this, and we will get into it later on. The referees are scared to referee games now. They've not thought that was a shocking challenge. It was with with the studs. They've thought, right, I'll just give it a yellow and I'll let VAR correct any if it is a, a red card, rather than giving them the red card and let the, the VAR downgrade it if that's the case. That's what yeah. VAR is there for, not for you to shit out of making decisions. It was as clear a day, red card, straight red, as, yeah. as you like. Lundstrom ended up having to go off injured with it as well, yeah. which was bad enough. And then it taken us a while, Dave, even though we had no pressure on us whatsoever, it did take us a while and it was a Tavernier penalty on the 84th minute that made it 2-0 the, the actual penalty itself it was a through ball to Dessers in the box he took it round the keeper and the keeper ended up taking him out so clear yep. as you like penalty yep so that was a, a good result next game Sunday the 24th of December it was a 2-0 win away against Motherwell in the Premiership now Dave again I've never taken any notes for this you kind of covered the post-match for this one here Dave I was watching the game in bed and I couldn't keep my eyes open. I was well <laughs> deep in lurgy again at this point. Well, so Derek, I'll let you take you, it away. Yeah, I've got some brief notes here, Derek. You know, there was a couple of changes to the team because you quite rightly said there, Lundstrom was out injured and also the likes of Jack and Raskin still out. So it was Dowell and Sterling in the midfield who I think both had fantastic, uh, especially in the first half. Now, Derek, as you can remember, horrific weather conditions at Motherwell were in the middle of the, the storm, so there was gale force winds, drive and rain, and for Rangers to play like they did in the first half was quite incredible because they had an excellent, excellent first half. You know, the team that he, he put out was Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Balligan, Rudvan, Sterling, Dibble, Cantwell, McCausland, Simmer and Dessers. 
on the bench, McCrory, Suter, Lammers, Matondo, Scott Wright, King, Devine, Yefleco and Rice. So down to the bare bones again on the bench. But we didn't have to wait long for the first goal because in the fourth minute, we actually opened the score and great time to score. And it was Motherwell trying to play the ball out from the back. It was stolen off the Motherwell defender by Dewell. He plays a 1-2 with Dessers into the box and unleashes a fantastic shot into the back of the net. Seen him do it a few times now, Derek. That's what the guys keep capable of. Thought he had a great game in, in this match and a fantastic goal, wasn't it? Yep, absolutely. Yep, and then, you know, it was all Rangers after that. A few chances here and there, but we didn't have to wait that much longer to be scored. The second goal, it came on the 17th minute, and it was Yilmaz on the left wing. The ball in, into the box. It was chested down to Cantwell, just inside the box. He takes a low strike, gets past the goalkeeper, and to the back of the net. It's a great team goal. Excellent finish by Cantwell as well, Derek, and that was us. We, we, we were on our way at that point. We were well on top. And I was fully expecting the team to go on and score about three or four after that. But, uh, you know, two great early goals. And we've not seen enough of that, have we? Oh, I'm just delighted to get the early goals. And it kind of killed the game off. And yeah. you know, obviously you're worried about if a Motherwell managed to pull a, a goal back. But I don't think there was much chance of that. Yeah. Derek, I've got quite a few notes here, but I'm only going to go into the key key ones. We did have a glorious chance for our third. McCausland, he breaks into the box. He strikes the ball low. A great save by Kelly in the box. The ball just bounces up for Dessers right in front of goal. All he had to do was just sort of tap it or whatever. I don't know what the hell he was trying. He ended up completely missing the ball. I just I don't know if he took his eye off the ball, if there was a wee nick of a player. I don't know. You're expecting a player, especially as you said a minute ago, he was scoring, you know, he'd, he'd scored a few goals recently. Really should have added that poor, poor miss by him. And it remained 2-0 at that stage. So that was, as I say, the first half, I thought Rangers were excellent. And considering we had the likes of Dibble and Sterling, who I think has been excellent since he's came into the centre of midfield for us, Rangers really did play well in the first half. Into the second half, though, Motherwell, you know, they were going to try and make it a lot harder for us. We had scored the two goals. Like I said, the the... the the storm was getting worse and worse. So there wasn't a lot of clear-cut chances by Rangers. And the chance in the 82nd minute, uh, Yilmaz, he broke from defence to the edge of the box. He plays Dessers through. Uh, he hits the shot, slides it past the goalkeeper. Thought he'd scored the third. But as Dessers does far too often, in my opinion, it was offside. And when you saw it back on the VAR and on the, on the replays, he was quite clearly offside. So it shouldn't have... Stood. Then on the 95th minute, Lammers, who came on, he plays Dessers through again, rounds the keeper, slots the ball in the back of the net. Fantastic goal, but once again offside. But I think he's hard done to because I don't think the line conclusively showed that he was offside, Derek. And if he was offside, it must have only been inches offside but that would have been a tremendous goal because the ball fell Amherst to him and the run and the finish down the left wing cutting inside rounding the keeper with such a tight angle give him his due it was a fantastic goal but unfortunately for him it didn't count so like I said fantastic first half Derek they really should have been about 4-0 up 
in that stage in the second half, unlucky with the two disallowed goals, but much lower in the second half, like I said, because of conditions. But I thought Kieran Dowell was superb in the middle of the park, Derek. What, what did you think? I realise you didn't get to see much of it. A couple of wee bits of controversy in, in there as well with regards to penalties and stuff like that that I knew that you were talking about, but certainly an excellent win for us, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a good one from what I've seen anyway. I mean, the, the offside as well, again, I think the first one was, the second one is, is very debatable. Yep. Once again, though, is the images that we are seeing from Fur Park are the weird ones that you, the, the angle that, that we're given is so far back and so far towards yeah. the actual touchline. Yep. You, you can't make any sort of judgment. No. I, know, I know that these are meant to be pinpoint accurate for what VAR, what VAR guys see, but yes. we'll get into that shortly. But <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in terms of the, the actual penalty, once again, the penalty, the penalty claim, the conspiracy theorists were out again. You know, the, there was a tug of the Motherwell attacker in the box, but it was clear that the, the Motherwell player who was getting tugged, they were both at it with Dessers, is that he had a massive pull of Dessers' shirt as well. Yeah, and you yep. knew that from the Dessers' number badge as well yep. on the back of his shirt. It was all skewed. Yeah. So as the player was falling down, you could still see he had a handful of Dessers' shirt. Yeah. But it's academic, which is weird because we'll get into a similar situation as well. There was another foul in the process as well. The corner came in and it hit off the hand of the Motherwell attacker. So it would have been a, even if they did give a penalty, it would have been ruled off because it should have been a handball. We don't know what handballs are these days now, Dave, so <laughs> exactly, maybe yeah. not. But one thing I must say as well, right at the start of the game, Motherwell denied the Union Bears a TIFO. So instead, they snuck in a load of streamers and threw them onto the pitch at the kickoff as well. And they had a cheeky banner about it, about saying that it's time to tidy up now. I mean, that's the kind of shithousery I can get behind as well. That was quite fun. Delayed the game, yeah. obviously, at the start, but it was quite funny all the, yeah. all the same. But yes, three points and up the road, which is good just yep. before Christmas as well. Bearing in mind that was, again, a game that was put off. It should have been the day before, but it was put to Christmas, Christmas Eve, Eve yep. because yep. of TV. But anyway, into the next game, or so we thought it was meant to be on Wednesday, the 27th of December. It was meant to be at home against Ross County, but it was postponed due to the bad weather. Now, obviously, there was storms. We got a wee bit of it down here in the central belt, but certainly up north, you know, past Octorard or upwards, the, the, the roads were absolutely horrendous. It was kind of yeah. floods from there to Perth, and then from Perth upwards, it was just yeah. pure snow. So, yeah. understandable, you know, things were getting called off. However, it does give a couple of questions. Ross County, they travelled down the day of the game. Could they not have travelled down the day before and got a hotel? But they didn't. So, kind of understandable due to money. However, kind of ironic due to the fact that their manager, Derek Adams, had comments in the week before about the standard of the league being terrible. You know, well, when you fail to act like a pro club, you get non-pro teams, don't you, Dave? Well, he, he kept making comments about how the standard everything was better in Morecambe. But the one thing I'll say, Derek, is I bet you the standard the weather was better in Morecambe than it was up in Digwall <laughs> at that, that, that particular <laughs> time. So, <laughs> But Dave, once again, of course, Celtic fans jump on the back of it <laughs> with their conspiracy theory nonsense, <laughs> claiming that because Rangers fans were no happy that Celtic were getting an extra day to prepare for the old firm game, we engineered this so that we can get yeah. two extra days. Yeah, snow, snow machines, Derek, snow yes. machines. They also claimed before it got called off that, well, the Aberdeen game at Pataudry is uh, is still going on and, and Motherwell are able to make it up there fine. 
No, yep. you dumb fucks. It's a completely different fucking road. Anyway, that game got called off anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> they're just so fucking stupid. They really are. Oh, man. Derek, I've been quite disappointed that you've been letting yourself get uh, antagonised by so many of them recently. I'm, I'm, I'm quite surprised that you're a man of uh, your experience uh, dealing with these t- types of things. You've been getting annoyed by them, whereas I just try to laugh at them. So I think you're... You, you need to let them stop upsetting you so much, mate. I think so. Anyway, that leads us into the next game. We're going to cover this in great depth, yeah. Dave. Saturday the 30th of December, it was a 2-1 loss away against Celtic in the Premiership. So, before the game even got started, it turned out that none of our fans were going to be in the stadium. Yeah. So, to clear this up from my view, because there's a few different theories going on about here, this is my theory. After multiple instances of their players taking the piss, multiple instances of our stadium being damaged, after the clear piss take of our fans being stuck in the corner at Parkhead and they get the full stand at Ibrox, after multiple digs Celtic directors have at us, after them claiming they're not one half of anything, and yes, after several defeats at Ibrox by the hands of Celtic, we cut their allocation to what every other team get. Then to the day... Why, if they think that they are not one half of anything, they should get extra fans over any other club? That's my theory, right? Uh Celtic, in turn, done the same. That's absolutely fine. We didn't give them any allocation when COVID restrictions still applied due to spacing around the dugouts and rehousing fans. Celtic, in turn, done the same. That's absolutely fine. However, ever since, we have offered them what every other team get. That's about seven to 800 fans. They have refused under safety grounds, or so they claim. Yeah. They have never acknowledged the fact that the same safety issues with missiles have ever happened at Parkhead. There's a video the last time Rangers fans were in Parkhead with multiple missiles flying over. No stewards, no police doing anything about it at all. And it all came from Celtic fans. Still, just because they refused the allocation we offered them doesn't mean that we shouldn't get an allocation for Parkhead. However, they refused us an allocation. We took it to the SPFL because it's in their rules that state away fans need to be given a reasonable allocation. If no decision could be made by both clubs, then it would go to the SPFL to decide what the reasonable number was. So we had the hearing with the SPFL. They agreed that they stated that Celtic's stance about us, them not offering us allocation was unreasonable. However, even though Celtic are breaching the rules, the SPFL done nothing about it as they could not agree what a reasonable number could be. I mean, this was apparently in part because Celtic had not provided them enough evidence on the issue. I failed to see what the evidence would need to be provided. But Celtic stalling and stuff and not providing evidence for hearings isn't anything new if a recent class action hearings are anything to go by. So that's by the by. So what we have here is a rule book that was rewritten during the merger of the SPFL and the SFL, which has already been proven to be ineffective during 2012 and our issues with the administration thing. Also ineffective during the 2020 COVID issue with the league getting cut early, with Scottish Cups getting moved and all that into the next season. The rule book is not fit for purpose. Not only that, when the rules clearly state that the powers that be that will decide, they turn round stating that you can't decide. So is it because this will go against a certain club by any chance? This will all play into the narrative that will come after the game. But, yeah. you know, Celtic getting their way once again. 
Yep, and you know, little or no, well, no action taken by the powers be either, Derek, which is more frustrating. You know, we can see that there's clear grounds here for certain investigations, things to get looked into, and at the end of the day, nothing, nothing ever happens, does it? Oh, I wonder why, Dave, I wonder why. <laughs> oh, and after two losses, coming up to an old firm game, Celtic allow the Green Brigade back into the stadium. I mean, yeah. the spineless, toothless board as usual from Celtic as well. But anyway, there was one change from the Motherwell game. That was Lundstrom in for Dill. A bit harsh on Dill because I thought he'd been playing well, but Lundstrom yeah. has been playing great as well. Yep. We lined up Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Balligan, Ridvan, Lundstrom, Sterling, Cantwell, Seamart, McCausland and Dessers. On the subs bench were McCrory, Suter, Lammers, Sifuentes, Matondo, Dill, Wright, King and Devine. So, Dave, I'm not one to get into this game minute by minute at all because I think no. there's a bit bigger issues here. Yeah. If you look at the footballing aspect, yes, we came out second best. We had Celtic on the back foot for maybe the last 20 minutes, which, considering we were 10 men, was pretty impressive. We started off decent and then just sunk into our shell. We allowed Celtic to dominate us, combined that with poor decision-making, being timid, far too hesitant, losing the ball far too much, and we've been pretty much non-existent in the final third. Celtic were pressing us constantly throughout the match, which may have tired them, which led us getting the better of them in the last 20 minutes. But I felt we actually handled their pressing fairly well. We had some lovely one-touch play to get the ball moving at times. They were trying to charge the ball down all the time. We were actually very competent at getting around that. We just done nothing in the final third. No, you're right, Derek. We, we, we had a few chances. I've looked back at them. Dessers had a couple of chances to score, Derek, which you know how frustrating that I find them. You know, there's certain times, I think ever since he scored that goal uh, against Betis, I think he thinks that he can do that in every single match now. And he tries it instead of either going for the simple ball or just hovering a pop at goal. He'll, he'll try and take an extra touch or whatever. I think that was his biggest downfall. We certainly had a few opportunities, Derek, two big opportunities to score against them, apart from the goal that we did score, obviously, which could have changed the game completely. But, you know, Celtic had the phase in the first half that they were well on top that we didn't deal with, and we ended up two down at that stage. But after that, even after the sending off, I actually thought Rangers played quite well, Derek. So, as you say, so I'm trying not to look at the negatives too much in this game. Yeah, I mean Celtic got their goal in the 25th minute it was a corner in from the right it was headed down by Sima off the Celtic players legs right to Bernardo who had a half volley in a pack box into the yep. back of the net it was just really poor defending it was a cracking finish by him don't get me wrong the goal had been coming because Celtic were on the ascendancy at that point it was it was just all about clear your lines Sima yep. done the wrong thing he headed it down I don't know if he just mistimed his jump or what but he headed it down Celtic got a bit of fortune where it hit off their own players legs right into the path of their own player but it needs to be cleared better than that the, yep. the chance Dessers you were on about on the 33rd minute he robs the ball in the Celtic half he drives the ball forward gets into the box he delays he delays he delays then loses the ball it was really really poor you've either got to pass you've got to shoot you've got to do something just don't do nothing and it summed up the performance in the, the first half far too hesitant I will come back to that point in, in the yep. future Moment of controversy, which I will get into as well later on. In the 41st minute, the ball out to McCausland on the right. He gets the ball into the box, has a shot, forcing Hart into a good one-handed save. The ball didn't break for us despite retaining the possession. The ball was crossed into the touchline and then knocked out. A big VAR check as Alistair Johnson knocked the ball out with his hand. It was clear as you day as you like on the playback. 
he was already on a booking, so it should have been a, a second yellow card. Yep. The ref doesn't even go to the screen. The VAR check was less than 10 seconds and no penalty was given. I'm not going to leave that there, Dave, because there's a lot more to go into. <laughs> there's a hell of a lot more to go into. Yes. So, into the second half, I'm disappointed with the way we were playing so far. Too hesitant, as I said. No changes at half-time. And then Celtic started out on fire and they scored on the 47th minute with Kyogo scoring. The ball played from the right to the centre to Kyogo at the edge of the box. Nobody marking, nobody putting a challenge in and an absolute world there of a strike. That's the difference between us and them just now. They have a half a sniff at goal, they take the shot and they score from it. We are looking for still the perfect play shot, the perfect pass. We're looking for the perfect angle. You've just got to put your laces through it sometimes and you get these things. The worst that can happen is it gets blocked. The The next thing that might happen is it deflect into the path of somebody or you might get a jammy deflection into the back of the net or you might actually just score like Google done. It's, it's poor that way, Dave. A hundred percent, Derek. You know my feelings on our current strikers, Derek. I don't think they're good enough. And that's the problem with the likes of Dessers. He wants to take far, far too many touches, you know, try and beat two and three players as well as the goalkeeper. Instead of just looking up, seeing even a, an inch of a target and just having a pop. And we've just not got that. Whereas they have, and, you know, he does have a, a, a knack of scoring goals against us. Pains me to say it. I hate saying it, but he does. He always seems to manage to score goals against us, especially when he's having a poor season like he is. But it was a great finish by him, and you just don't give him a sniffy goal. And, you know, there you go again. He takes it. Yeah. 67th minute, Bernardo, who had already been on a book in, a shocking challenge in Goldson. Yep. No second yellow card. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what the referee was thinking. Well, he gave Bernardo the first yellow card for running into the crowd for celebrating the first goal. I don't know whether he's thinking, oh, it was a, a soft yellow. I don't agree with that. It shouldn't be the case. A yellow card's yeah. a yellow card. Yeah. 69th minute, Cantwell off and Dowell on. Cantwell was poor again. Yeah. 69th minute, Seema off injured and right on. He only went off injured because Johnson, who should have been sent off already, should have been given another second yellow card for yeah. a, an arm into the face. Yep. Inexplicable. And yep. then... 73rd minute, red card for Balogun. It was a poor touch back to Balogun from Goldson. That's not been picked up on a lot in the commentary. It was a yeah. stupid pass from Goldson. A poor touch from Balogun, who allows Maida in. Balogun tangles with him and brings him down. Aye. The only thing I'm amazed at here is, is that the referee knew what a red card was <laughs> because it was a clear red card. No arguments whatsoever yep. for it. It was just poor all round, ultimately. Yeah, Balogun, yep, definitely. Maybe, Yep. Again, maybe instinct coming across him there maybe you could see him looking up and seeing if there was another man behind him but you know and then as yeah. you said Dave we played better after that Lundstrom came yeah. off and Suter came on in the 72nd minute and we were all over them without actually putting heart under pressure and that was the problem we did get a lifeline on the 88th minute with Tavernier scoring a stunning free kick on the left hand side into the top left corner Hart was poor again made it 2-1 again we're still all over them but we couldn't put any more pressure on Hart or their defence, which was the frustrating yep. thing. I mean, the, te- the the free kick from Tavernier was the first and only good thing he had done all game. His passing, his crossing was a woeful all game. And this is the thing, my dad was getting on to me as well, You're, oh, you can't blame him, he still, he still popped up and scored. Yes, he still popped up and scored, but this is the problem with Tavernier. He gets lit off with things like that, why scoring world is like that. Yes, he did step up, he scored it. You know, you can't fault his work rate but you've got to think that the amount of crosses he put in 
they were all woeful. I don't think one hit, hit the man. If you've got someone who looks up and puts a cross in that finds the man, will that result in a goal? Yeah. That's what you've got to think. So, yeah. But anyway, we've looked at all the football and asked about it, but the game isn't just about the football side because refereeing decisions are part of the game. And regardless if you win, lose or draw, refereeing decisions have a massive part in how the game unfolds. So I'm not having this pish about, oh, he's got beat, just deal with it. Or we, we've not got the stomach for this, we should just accept the defeat and get on with it. It was just poor on the part. No, it doesn't work like that. You know, what hasn't really been discussed is the fact that Johnson had another two bad challenges. It should have been shown on my second yellow card, yep. including an elbow and Seema, which I've talked about. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bernardo, Shocker and Goldstone, that should have been another yellow card as well, wasn't given. Also being glossed over, because I think we were so angry at Dessers for not shooting, he was actually fouled by the Celtic yes, player. Yes, I know, I know, yep. So there was no attempt to go for the ball. It might have been soft, but he never attempted to go for the ball and he actually did clip him. So yep. it should have been a red card and a penalty for me, yeah, that one there. Yes, I mean, getting back to that one, we were, we were shouting and shouting and shouting for him to shoot, shoot, shoot before he got into that position. So I think that maybe, as you say, was glossed over by getting very impatient with him for no firing the ball into the back of the net before that. But you're quite right, going back and looking, you can see on the replays that the challenge was made and it was on him rather than the ball. So, you know, again, you're quite right. It should have been a penalty and it should have been a sending off at that stage as well. Yeah. And also, I can't remember what instant it was. It might have been in what the, the penalty instant, which I'm going to get into. But there was a handball, clear handball by one of the Celtic defenders in the Celtic box. In the build-up to something as well, when the ball was floated up, nothing given for that. No VAR check, no nothing. So how many times are Celtic going to get away with things like that? So the penalty issue in question, several issues involved. It's quite convoluted, so I'm going to try and... Everybody knows about it, but I'm just going to try and summarise it. I mean, everyone, to a man, thinks that the penalty should have been given. Celtic-minded pundits, former players and managers, former refs that are not even friends or rangers. All I'm going to say is, if Neil Lennon (laughs) stays... It's a clear penalty to Rangers. That's all that you need to say. Let's be honest. Not just ex-referees and, you know, Celtic favoured pundits, as there are many of them. If Neil Lennon says it's a penalty, then you know it's a penalty. Yes. The only one that thinks the decision was correct was Bobby Madden. You know, Bobby (laughs) Madden, the member of the lodge, the the referee Uh, that goes uh, into uh, Rangers bars after games and has drinks with fans. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, Celtic fans are now believing him after years of Masonic bias. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, firstly, VAR was checked briefly, no penalty given. Everyone was in disbelief about it, a goal kick was given. Second, after half-time, round about 35 to 40 minutes later, we get notification that it wasn't given due to it being offside. An image was provided, it does look offside, however... It appears to be from a few frames after Lundstrom has play, already played the ball. Yeah. So yep. it's an inaccurate image already. Yep. yep. Crocker has then stated that he was listening to Varcha at the time because they got access to it, mm-hmm. and he and he says that there was absolutely no discussion of that being offside, and I wish right. that came from them. Yes. Number three, IFAB rules clearly state that VAR should not be used to check an offside unless there was a goal or a penalty or an instance such as that. So if it was ruled offside, also, why was a goal kick given? Fourth, after the game, Rangers request the audio from that. Fifth, a couple of hours later, a rather un- 
precedent he'd moved from, you know, referees in Scotland. Colin confirmed, and I don't know where this came from, whether it's been leaked or whether it's came from the SFA, but it's came out on news channels that Colin confirmed that no penalty was given as he did not believe the hand was in an unnatural position. <laughs> he did not think that the blatant <laughs> punch on the ball was an unnatural thing to do. Oh dear, no. Derek, going on that stage, this is just very briefly, right? We all laughed when we heard that, but see if it had just have been left at that, right? If it had been left at that, if this had been column saying, well, I don't think it was it was unnatural, even although you can quite clearly see that it wasn't, right? And it was quite clearly a handball. See if it had have been left at that. I would have said, I what an absolute fucking joke that is. And then I don't actually think there would have been as much controversy. But this whole bullshit of half an hour later, of basically him knowing that there's been a massive cock-up made and he's went out to try and find anything he possibly could to say that it was disallowed by saying that it was offside. Half an hour after it happened, that is what has made things even worse. He's tried to cover up a clear error by himself and made a complete arse of it. That's basically my take on the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it leaves two questions. If we're just pause it there, it leaves two questions. He's confirming that he's seen that there was a handball. So if that's the yep. case, why wasn't it a corner then? Yep. Then the question is, why did the VAR team release an image, an inaccurate one at that, of the offside to Sky 30 to 40 minutes later? Because yep. that's the way it goes. The VAR team released the image to the broadcaster who then put it up on the screen. Yep. That is inexplicable. As you said, it looks to me, it looks to everybody as if he's tried to cover up his mistake. Totally. 100%. So the next day, late on the next day, be it, be it that, audio still hadn't been released and it led us to release a statement through fan media channels that the SFA are refusing to release the audio or meet with us either in person or via Zoom or whatever until Wednesday at the earliest, which is today. Why is that? There was still one round of games to go before the, the break. Yep. The English FA, you know, when an incident like this happens, they openly admit mistakes. They release the audio within 12 hours of the incident if there's been a fuck-up. Now, we were waiting and waiting and waiting, and it came out later uh, later on today that this has came from through heart and hand, and yep. I and I don't agree with the the club releasing it this way either. That it should have been a statement from the club because it's came through in dribs and drabs, 10, 15, 20 minutes later. The three but things that have came through here after a meeting with the SFA and Rangers today, it was confirmed that there was no mention of any offside during the VAR discussion. A Rangers yep. spokesperson said from the meeting there was an overriding consensus that VAR decision of no handball was incorrect. Having listened to the audio, there is no mention of a potential offside at the time yep. of the handball. Rangers is also deeply concerned at the haste at which the erroneous no handball call was made. Rangers has appealed to the Scottish FA to release the audio and explain this decision and future contentious decisions involving all clubs to the public as would be common practice in England for such a decision. The club has made a number of specific requests that it hopes the Scottish FA will respond in order to improve matters going forward. Then heart and hands further put, I understand one of the Rangers requests to the SFA is that Willie Collum cannot be allowed in involvement in any Rangers matches going forward. Dave, 
the club need to read the room on this one. That statement, again, released through fan media, is not yep. acceptable in, in the slightest. For the fact that there's been a clear cover-up going on here, the guy has lied about it. Willie Collum should not only not referee a Rangers game again, he should not be involved in any football again because that causes integrity into question here. Well, Why was... And, and I'm, I'm saying Willie Collum here... There was a team of VAR people there. We want to know who the person released the image of, of offside was. How did the offside get discussed in the first place? Why does he not think that was a clear handball? And once again, Willie Collum has been at the centre of a clear fuck-up where there's been multiple times where he has not given penalties, where he's given yellow cards or second yellow cards for things like blowing kisses, clear penalties that haven't been given, not been telling the referee to go to the screen. Why, Dave? This, that statement from Rangers actually leads to more questions than answers if the, the, the club really need to come out hard on this one. Derek, I, for a very, very long time, as long as we've been doing this podcast, because Willie Collum's been a referee a long, long time, and I've always came to the same conclusion about Willie Collum, and I'll stick to it this time. Willie Collum, in my opinion, isn't a biased referee against any club. I think that Willie Collum is biased against himself. I think that Willie Collum thinks that he's the most important man on the field. Even though he wasn't on the field, I think that Willie Collum has got it in his head that no one can question any decisions that he makes. And it has always been the same. We have went on and on about some decisions that Willie Collum has made against us, which have been incredible. And you can see the look of sheer anger on the guy's face when anybody challenges him on the pitch. He wants the whole game to be made about himself. And I still think that that is the way he's made this decision and he's became and he's you can quite clearly see that he has been trawling through that whole incident for half an hour, you know, going because he knows he's made a fuck up and he's came up with this pathetic excuse that it was offside and that was the reason that it was given anyway. He knows that he's made a backside of it, but rather than own up that he has made a backside of it, Derek, he has searched for something which he's now been caught out on, which has been a complete load of nonsense. And there still won't be him owning up to say that'll not happen. That man will not own up to say that he's made a mistake on anything like that at all. And that is the way that I still see it. I just think that he wants to, you know, how dare anybody question any decisions that he makes and he's made a complete fool of himself, Derek. Totally. I mean, the thing is, I've never been one for conspiracy theories or claims of bias against one side or the other. But to be honest, Dave, it's getting extremely hard to look away from that now. I mean, the irony is Celtic have always claimed bias against them. I mean, they fucking commissioned a, a bloody movie about anybody, yeah. anybody yeah. but Celtic in their own stadium. But their only evidence that they can come up with is from fucking decades ago. The Jim Farry issue with the George Cadet thing or... The, the referee that lied about a decision not to give a penalty, which was actually the correct decision not to give it. So that's the, the, the irony of it. I mean, as I've said, Colum is at, at the heart of this and with some inexplicable decisions against us yeah. over the years. Between the SFA and the SPFL, you look at the evidence against us here, emails that go missing in spam folders during a vote which benefits one club, league titles awarded over Zoom which benefits the same club, cup finals played the following season which benefited one club. Not only yeah. that, their opponents have been unfairly relegated so they're now playing yeah. championship players 
when they shouldn't have been. Winter breaks brought forward, which again benefited the same club, which because they had a, an injury crisis, included an old firm game they were going to play against us as well. Yeah. Postponing games due to the death of a former player, and then yeah. the team that that player played for never even got their next game postponed yeah. either. And unofficial winter breaks so that a team is supposedly going on a tour and they don't even take any of the first team players on the tour that was my next point yeah. you know an SFA board member stating that the SFA were not to help Rangers in any way due to our fixture congestion in 2008 not to mention the way we were treated by the SFA and the SPFL in 2012 and all their subsequent attempt to strip titles this all comes back to the same club that benefits maybe it's just coincidence I don't know Dave maybe it is but there's a hell of a lot of evidence against just being coincidence there so this is what the Celtic fans can't get in their mind I mean going back to the actual penalty decision as well is Celtic fans seem to think well Right, even if he had given a penalty, it was still offside. No, that is not the point. Yes, if he had given the penalty, that is one of the things that would have been checked. However, the frame was wrong in the the offside decision. So it's quite clear that they can't understand that this is not just about a penalty decision. This is about something that they've been moaning about for fucking decades, about referees. They have clearly fucked up. If you take it down to the basic thing, it's been a fuck up. There's no been any conspiracy theory. They've, they've just tried to, you know, get round of a mistake they've made. Yeah. If it's just mm-hmm. a pure genuine mistake, then once again, it shows you that the referees are incompetent. Something we asked for within the last two years to, for an investigation, an independent one about the governance of our game and how referees are trained up. It's still not been done. Once no. again, we have got a decision that's went against us, not for the first time in the last three old firm games as well, that's cost us. We lose this league by one or two points. You're going to look back in this game about a penalty yeah. not given. Yeah. Yes, we still need to score the penalty, but it fundamentally changes the outcome of the game because they would have been down to 10 men. 100%, Derek, I, I realise that we've, that we've been going on about this, but every single point that you've made there has been totally valid Every question that you've asked has been totally valid. And again, it's uh, it's come down to a massive cover-up in that one that one thing. And it's came down to Willie Collum not coming out, admitting his mistake and trying to justify what he has done. And he's made a complete and utter fool of himself. But it's just, and again, you, as you say, if this goes down to the wire, Derek, that game and that decision could become, you know, pivotal to us and it didn't go our way and it should have. So, we'll leave it there, Dave, because... (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, Derek, it had to be said, and there's nothing that you have went on about there. I realise it might sound like a bit of a rant, but it's what we've all been thinking. Everyone, it's quite incredible what has happened this week. As you've said as well, I, I was quite surprised at the that the club itself didn't make that statement rather than it coming out through fan media. I was really quite surprised at that, but we'll wait and see what unfolds over the next few days. So we'll go into the last game that we've got to cover here. We'll just cover it fairly briefly as well. Yeah, very briefly, Tuesday the 2nd of January at home against Kilmarnock where we won 3-1 in the Premiership. So obviously being the the 2nd of January as well, we it was the first home game after the new year as well. We had the Loving Cup ceremony which was always great to see. Still yeah. some Celtic fans on Twitter, you know, try to make fun of it, you know. It's, it's called tradition, you know, that's what it is. Also the impeccably observed minute silence for the Ibrox disaster as well, so... 
uh, the, obviously the wreath lane as well the, the in the morning of the game. So Dave, you've covered this game as well, haven't you? Yeah, very briefly again, Derek, uh, a, a couple of changes in the team, obviously. Balogun being suspended, so John Suter was brought in there. Also, Dewell was brought in for uh, Sterling and new loan signing, which we'll get into in the news. Fabio Silva on the bench. So, Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Suter, Rudvan, Lundstrom, Dewell, Cantwell, McCausland, Simmer and Dessers on the bench. McCrory, Silva, Lammers, Matondo, Sterling, Scott Wright, King, the return of Nicholas Raskin and Devine. So, not much going on in the first half. We had a half chance in the 16th minute. Connor Goldson with one of his diagonal balls uh, straight to Simmer in the box. He get great control, goes for the low cross, takes a nick off the defender and almost sneaks in at the front post, but the goalkeeper made a good save there. A couple of good good bits of play. Yilmaz probably be about our best player, actually starting to play quite well the last few games. Had a good game against Celtic, I think, as well. Uh, but then in the 41st minute, we opened the the scoring. I think uh, Derek McKenna thought that he was going to get to half-time at 0-0, which I think is what he was playing for. But we managed to score 41st minutes, and it was a fantastic goal, you've got to say. The ball played out to Dessers on... Uh, just inside the Kilmarnock half on the left wing, he looks up and sees McCausland running through the middle and plays an outstanding ball, curling long pass right in front of McCausland, who stays onside, runs through into the goal and hits a low shot past the goalkeeper in the back of the net. Fantastic goal, Derek. Dave, I think you completely underplayed that pass by Dessers. That was Scott yeah. Allen-esque. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't that good, Derek. Come on. <laughs> uh, no, it was. It was an outstanding pick by him, and as I say, it was inch perfect for the for, for the the position that that it was a fantastic pass there. And then we thought it was only going to be one 0 at half time, but thankfully we managed to get a second goal on the forty fifth minute, and this was a cracker as well. Ball play again. Connor Goldson with a long ball just sort of inside his own half. He plays a sort of hopeful high ball up into the box. Simmer jumps up. He sort of controls it high. Jumps really high. Controls it with his chest. The ball goes up in the air. The Kilmarnock defender doesn't know where it is. And Simmer just completely rolls the defender just in time for the ball to drop and thunders it. Volley into the back of the net. Absolute class. You know, the you know, composure, everything there after a bad touch. Absolutely sensational goal, Derek. I mean, that mad bastard Lynn as well thought that Seema <laughs> had handled the ball, then turned and shot. But no, that was incredible. Off the chest, yep. spins and a volley into the back of net. You know, Dave is going to break our hearts when, when he leaves because there's no way we can afford him. He's absolutely on a roll, both in yeah. the, the Premiership and in Europe. He's, you know, he's going and- to be too much for us. Yeah, and we're going to be missing him for the next few games as well as he jets off to the African Nations Cup, Derek. So I really hope he isn't going to be that much of a miss. But going by the amount of goals he scored recently, it's going to be difficult to replace him. But into the second half, nothing much really happening. Kilmarnock getting a wee bit more back in, in, into the game with uh, Armstrong probably being their best player, as he has been uh, previous games against us. But on the 56th, Minute, Derek, a bit of controversy because Kilmarnock are on, on the attack down the right-hand side. They put a low cross into the ball. Now, John Suter slides in to try and win the ball. His arm doesn't move, Derek. His arm doesn't move at all. Maybe, you know, the bottom part of his hand does move, but, you know, he can't really do anything. The ball comes off his hand. 
it goes to VAR and the referee awards a penalty kick against us now. What's your feelings on that, Derek? Because I don't think he'd done much wrong there, to be perfectly honest, and I think it was very, very harsh because I don't know where his hand can go. What, what do you think of that one? Well, I wouldn't say it was his hand. I would say it was his more his elbow. I think here's the, the, the problem with handballs. Handballs seem to be now very subjective. It's a case of, was it in an unnatural position? Now, define an unnatural position yeah. when you are sliding in for the ball. Your, exactly. your hand and your arm is going to move. Yeah. An unnatural position would be having your arms at the side, pinned to you. So, yeah. as it's been pointed out on the uh, on the BBC panel, is t- technically his arm is in a natural position there. And I think where you've got to look at it as well, where it hit his elbow, did it change the direction of where the ball would have hit if it hit his body? Because the way I've seen it is when he slid in, it's hit off his elbow. If his elbow wasn't there, it would have hit his body. And would that yeah. have then changed the, the, the course of the ball? No, it wouldn't have. So no. I think in the modern way, modern rules, I, I knew that was going to be given. I knew it was going to be given. I yeah, think it's harsh. Yeah, I was the same. But that is the modern laws of the game, unfortunately. Yeah. It's not right, yeah. but we've got to go with them. At yeah. the same time, though, as you know, this blows that conspiracy theory of, of <laughs> oh, Rangers going, oh, no, going to break know. a world record. Of, oh, like, I know, I know. Ab- ab- absolute nonsense. But regardless, on the 59th minute, Armstrong did step up. The, the, the penalty was awarded and Armstrong stepped up and slotted the ball past Butland to make it 2-1 but thankfully we only had to wait another two minutes for us to restore the two goal lead and it was another fantastic team goal. Uh, Simmer with a fantastic ball to Yilmaz on the left wing uh, who I think had another excellent game Derek uh, three three games in a you know three games in a row I think he's played really well for us. Great low cross to the front post and it was Todd Cantwell who had made that run to the front post gets in front of the defender and just thinks it past the goalkeeper. So excellent play all round by us there. Excellent goal. Brilliant, yes. Yep, and then it was kind of that, that was the end of the game, really. We had got our two goal cushion, a couple of subs, Dowell and Dessersov, Sterling and Silva coming on for his debut, the man that we've got on loan from Wolves. And then 75th minute, Cantwell really should have made it four, where he was put through one-on-one with the goalkeeper from McCausland with a great ball th- through to him. Instead of taking the extra touch, which he had time, he tried to hit it first time when it got to him into the box and it was a good save by the keeper to still to keep it 3-1. And then some more subs, the likes of uh, Raskin coming back on as well for Rangers. But we did see the game out 3-1, Derek. So, you know, excellent for, for us to get that victory. A potentially tricky game because you know that Derek McInnes can set his team up defensively to play us. So, Delighted with the three points there as well. Yes, I mean, as you said, a potentially tricky game, um, especially as what Clement highlighted is the fact that they had beaten the old firm teams three times this season yeah, so far. Yeah. So, yeah, got through it fairly well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of their players came out afterwards and said they're a, they're a completely different, or we're a completely different team now. So, yes. yeah, it's, it's good to see. So it leaves us in the Premiership, played 28-1-15, drawn 1, lost 4, scored 41, conceded 11, goal difference plus 30 on 46 points. Eight behind Celtic, but we've got two games in hand. Yeah. Ten ahead of Hearts with one game in hand over them as well. So, Dave, as disappointing as the Celtic game was, I'm not overly concerned about it because there was enough in that game to say that, no, we are on par with them. That game, that there isn't as big a gap as what there used to be no. now. 
there was no. certainly good points in that game. There was a lot of bad points, granted, uh, but there was a lot of good points in that game as well. And I felt, you know, we finished the game strong with 10 men, which was even more impressive. We just need to work on a few things, get some players in in the, the transfer window, and we'll see what, what happens, even if it is loan players, which we'll get into in a, in a minute as well. But, you know... I'm more than delighted with what we've we've done in these this this December run. It was a tough run of games. I think it was eleven games in thirty seven days or something like that, which is massive for anyone. You know, top in the group in, in Europe, a League Cup final, banana skin fixtures. There's not much more we could ask from that team, especially from where we were, you know, when Clement came in. Derek, we've got a proper manager at the helm. And I'll go and I'll stick my neck out here and say the first proper manager that we've had at the helm since Walter Smith. I've been really impressed with everything he's done. He's had to go out and basically take on uh, win matches where we've, you know, we've had two, two or three passengers in the team. You all know who I'm talking about. But if we, we just have to hope that he can go out and identify a few players that we can bring in who will make a difference. If he manages to do that, Derek, I think we will only get better and I actually think we'll get considerably better, especially in the forward, you know, forward line. If we can get somebody in that can score goals for us, I think we'll, we'll go on a roll and I definitely think he's the man to take us there. So I am very impressed. And for us to, like I said, the six games that we mentioned, for us to go out and win five out, out of these six games with the squad of players that he's got, that's impressive, Derek. So, no, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm disappointed, obviously, with the Celtic game, but I am not disheartened at all. So the games to come is in January, obviously, with the, th- the three-week break now. Saturday the 20th of January, away to Dumbarton in the Scottish Cup Round 4. That's 17.30 kickoff. Wednesday the 24th of January, away to Hibs in the Premiership. That's a 19.45 kickoff. I think that's one of the games in hand. And then Saturday the 27th of January, away to St Mern in the Premiership. That's a 12.30 kickoff. So, uh, a wee break now. Yes, a, a wee break get some injured players back and I really hope that by the time we get back, Derek, we've got some, we've got more additions into the team to help us getting into the end of the season. So, we'll now go into the news. So, a few bits and pieces to cover in the news. As you've discussed, Dave, we have signed 21-year-old striker Fabio Silva from Wolves on a six-month loan deal. No option to buy because he did cost Wolves £35 million. Yes, Derek, I'll be honest, I don't know much about the guy, but I have been told by quite a few people that he was absolutely outstanding. You know, just before Wolves bought him, he's not really had much of a chance down there, but a huge transfer fee, obviously not in English Premiership terms, but... You know, it's it's a massive fee for a young player and I just hope that, you know, we manage to get the most out of him before he heads back there. And, you know, if he is going to turn out to be outstanding, we just have to enjoy him as long as he's here. So, fingers crossed that one works out. Yes. Uh, I mean, he had been out on loan at Anderlecht and PSV in the last couple of years and we beat a number of other clubs to get him, including Celtic, which their fans denied. However, it was in the media beforehand that they were after him so yeah. and their fans were welcoming him as well so yeah. it turns out that our new director of football Niels Coppin who hadn't even started at that point was instrumental in, in him coming as he worked with Silva oh, yeah. last season under PSV so um, certainly a good sign straight away from the yeah. new director of football yep. 
We were also linked, apparently, with Kevin Van Veen, the former Motherwell striker. However, that was rubbish. Apparently, it was a fake Twitter account as well. So, All right, uh, okay. Rumour season started already, Dave. Oh, it's great, this is why, this is why I, I take nothing it. of it. I love it. <laughs> Next one here. Morelos has been released from Santos as part of his relegation clause. Normally, I'm not one for looking back and re-signing a player, and I still cannot forgive him for downing tools in the last 18 months. But given our injury crisis, especially up front, I mean, a six-month loan deal would be beneficial for both him and us. Ultimately, he's ruined his career. He's not certainly not going to be able to command a, a massive, you know, wage. You know, the thirty grand plus a week. There's an incentive there for him to kickstart his career, give him a, a deal to, as a paper play type thing, and it would cover any fitness issues he still might have. Probably not going to be in Clement's, uh, you know, vision. But I don't know. I, I know Dave. You're probably going to say yes, aren't you? Derek? Up until. I think a few weeks ago I would have said yes, but seeing what Clement has managed to get out of the team with forwards, you know, not playing particularly well, I think that I, for the first time, I think would like to see maybe a couple of players that he has identified to come in and try and score rather than going back. You know how much I love the wee guy. If all else fails, definitely bring him back, but I have a feeling that Clement has got his eye on a few other players uh, to come in and fill that role. So I honestly can't see it happening. As you said, Sima has been called up to the Senegal squad for the AFCON tournament in January. Obviously, we've got the winter break there, so it's not going to be as many games as it could have been, but still around about four or five games he's going to miss at least. So Senegal, I hope you get pumped. Aye, that's exactly exactly <laughs> what I thought as well. And I'm raging because Nigeria didn't call up Dessers at the same time. <laughs> Next thing here is Club 1872 have ended their dispute with the Rangers board. Clearly issues around the, the parks, I think. They've had discussions and they've come up with a five-point plan, including them having investing in Ibrox redevelopment, regular meetings with the board and CEO, two separate meetings with contributors of Club 1872 and board members of the club, office space for Club 1872 at Ibrox and shareholder privileges such as VIP hospitality and director's box seats being reinstated. Aye, that's all well and good, but they've absolutely done fuck all in terms of engaging with their own members, never mind engaging with fans like me and you who are completely disenchanted and disengaged with them. They need a complete rethink of their operation. Those that are on the current board need to get rid of and they need a new new blood, fresh ideas coming in to re-engage with fans in order to get membership and ultimately money back into the foundation. Having discussions with who's in charge of the foundation of hearts would be a, a, a start because it's an absolute embarrassment how successful they've been and how well run they've been considering it's a very similar scheme but a much smaller fan base. Find out how they've been able to do this. Find out how they've been able to engage fans. It's the old story about, you know, you put 10 Rangers fans on a desert island and you would have about 20 Rangers supporters clubs starting up. I mean, I don't know where this is going to go, Dave, because Club 1872 are, to me, a dead rubber. I know you've been saying it for a long time, Derek, and you have a lot more to do with it than what I have, and you've had more engagement with them a few years back than than what I ever would, but it seems to me like it's just one thing after another 
with them. And as you say, I think a whole rethink is, is needed if they're going to be moving forward. Next thing, Scottish Greens councillor Dan Hutchison is leading a petition against us putting the LED screen on New Edmondson House. It's got 50 signatures apparently. It's on the basis that it would affect locals' mental and physical health. Dan, just fuck off, would you? I mean, it's already already been through council planning and objections yeah. like this, and there's already been criteria put in place for the likes of dimming and it already be, only been used at certain times as well. Yeah. So... God knows what's going to happen Aye. with this one here, but it's just typical nonsense as well. Aye, exactly. Yep. Next thing here, from Europe so far this season, we've earned around £15.4 million, and that's before gate receipts. We racked up £18.1 million before gate receipts two seasons ago, and that's when we got to Seville. So it shows you how well we're doing so far yeah. in Europe. On the other hand, Celtic have earned just shy of £30 million before gate receipts for their absolute dismal Champions League run. So it just shows you how lucrative yeah, the Champions League is. Yep. And there's going to be more money in it next year when it's an expanded eight-game, guaranteed yeah. eight games as well. So yeah. as much as Europa League, we are better off being in it, arguably it could be better off being in it next year yeah. as well, considering it's exp- uh, the Champions yep. League expanding. Yep. Money-wise, it's more lucrative. Definitely. Next thing here is Alex McLeish has been awarded an OBE in the New Year's Honours list. The 64-year-old is highlighted for his career and his charity work. He's apparently raised over £200,000 for Crohn's and Colitis UK and is an ambassador for the Catherine McEwen Foundation, which helps fundraise and raise awareness for the diseases. So absolutely incredible for Big Ek there. Congratulations. Absolutely fantastic. And we're all delighted for him. And the last piece of football news here is 11 weeks after being given the boot by us, Michael Beale has found another job as manager of Sunderland. He lost his first game 3-0, so he got off to a great start. Lost his second game, drew his third game, and he got his win, his first win on his fourth game. So we'll see how that turns out with Michael Beale there. Yeah, it's, uh, and if he wants to come in with a cheeky wee bid for Sam Lammers, please do. <laughs> yes. So... Hospital evacuated after 88-year-old man arrives with a World War I bomb lodged in his rectum. There's <laughs> always a theme of your stories. <laughs> oh, of course there is. There aren't many things that can blow you away, but this one certainly can, and not in the way you're thinking. If you've ever watched any medical show, there's going to be an episode about a patient sticking something somewhere it doesn't belong. But you've never expected to see this type of thing in real life. Well, doctors in France were left shell-shocked after a man arrived in hospital on Saturday night with a World War I bomb stuck up his rectum. The event even set off a bomb scare in the hospital and led to it being partly evacuated after the 88-year-old man came in for help. A spokesperson at the hospital said an emergency occurred at 9pm to 11.30pm on Saturday evening that required an intervention of the bomb disposal personnel, the evacuation of adult and paediatric emergencies, as well as the diversion of incoming emergencies. When bomb disposal experts arrived at the hospital after examining the man, they determined that it was unlikely that artillery shell, which was 8 inches long and more than (laughs) 2 inches wide, would explode inside the man. They added, they reassured us by telling us that it was a collector's item from the First World War used by the French military. We had to manage the risk of reactive framework. When in doubt, we took all precautions. 
As soon as the bomb experts cleared the situation, doctors began the dangerous task of trying to remove the explosive from the man's bottom, which assumed to be have inserted for sexual purposes. <laughs> of course it was. Of course. <laughs> they couldn't wrap their heads around the choice of object, with one doctor reportedly remarking, an apple, a mango, or even a can of shaving foam. We are used to finding unusual objects inserted where they shouldn't be, but a shell, never. Social media commentators were equally stumped by the risky play. I've heard of troops bringing up the rear, but this is too far, one said. Well, another commented, he could have just used suppositories. Someone else <laughs> said, guess he wanted to go out with a bang. Exactly. He, he was one fart away with redefining what explosive diarrhea was. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, dearie, dear. They were initially unable to remove the bomb through initial examination and medics had to take the elderly man into surgery to safely take it out of his rectum. Oh, <laughs> It takes all sorts, doesn't it, Derek? And with that explosive revelation, we will end the podcast. So, Dave, it's been a long podcast, as we expected. It's been a pretty decent one, though, with the, with the results. Obviously, with the issue, which will still rumble on, no doubt, because we will see what Rangers have put. As I said, Rangers really need to come out fighting in this one. I don't think fans, especially, I'm not going to be happy if we just leave it at that, because, you know, he, here's the case in point. Willie Collum referees a Celtic game, and he gives them a favourable decision, which should never have been, which he's already done, by the way, several times. So... It doesn't clear up any issues whatsoever. He needs to be gone. We'll see what happens, Dave. But overall, in the performance-wise, I am more than delighted with the way it's, way it's went. Yeah, I think just the victories, you know, Derek, there have been some hard-fought ones. I think there's so much better still to come. So if that is what the manager can get out of a, of a squad that he's inherited... I can't wait to see what he's going to get out of a squad that he brings in his own players. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic, Derek. Yes. So we will be back in a good wee while after the next ten games. <laughs> All that's left to say is thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. And the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hot should I go out there, man, the fucking flopping salmon son of a bitch. <laughs>